It is Friday, August 28, 2020, and you are listening to the Federalist Forum, a constitutional think tank for every patriotic American. Today on the Federalist Forum, I'm going to share some very clear perspective about the cause and effects of what's happened here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We'll get into the events that led up to it and how those events have impacted the outcome. Coming up next on the Federalist Forum. Good morning. Welcome to the Federalist Forum. I'm your host, Tom. Thank you for tuning into the podcast that's become a popular resource for conservative truth and activism, a podcast where we stand up for the truth, logic, patriotism, critical thought, and action. Friends, this has been a hell of a week here in southeast Wisconsin. With the exception of my time in the Marine Corps, I've called Wisconsin home for most of my life. It is truly a gorgeous state with so much history, so much beautiful geography, and, and so much culture. Uh, aside from living here and enjoying the casual culture of it all, over the last several years I've been backpacking the Ice Age Trail, one of only a small handful of national scenic trails in the United States. The Ice Age Trail winds about 1,200 miles throughout the state following the path of uh, the most recent recession of the glaciers about 14,000 years ago. I've backpacked uh, a little over 400 miles of it so far. Uh, plan to finish it within a couple of years. I believe less than 200 people have ever hiked the entire thing. And my name will be on that list someday. Um, I'm digressing a bit, but the point is that Wisconsin is just a really cool state with more to it than meets the eye. As I've hiked that trail, I've talked to so many people in so many small towns I've come across and enjoyed, you know, whether it be a local brew or a burger or something at a pub you get some really great perspective and it's just a really really neat state unfortunately this past week we've seen one of our great gems along the lake michigan shoreline destroyed a significant portion of kenosha's downtown businesses have been looted damaged or entirely destroyed dozens of residents have been burned out of their their homes and as we saw on tuesday night people are now dead i'll get to that last part in a minute but first the reason for all of this it starts with the emotionally impulsive need to seek some form of narcissistic gratification for being the first to post a video online, a video without context, I might add, uh, that even the individual who took it later said didn't capture the entire incident. We live by and eventually, I believe, will drive ourselves to extinction at the hands of the internet. The sense of instant gratification or recognition uh, is what's going to continue to pulverize our sense of discretion and humanity. I talk a lot about cause and effect in my everyday commentary on places like Parler. Uh, our politicians and media are experts at reporting effects. That's about the only thing they get right, and even that is somewhat subjective. They do this every time, and with anything they can politicize, sensationalize, or otherwise capitalize on. Mainstream media is not there as an informational source anymore. That's it's painfully obvious. They are a business who capitalizes on ratings. And how do you drive your ratings? You appeal to the emotions of your viewers. Draw them in with little teasers of an incident and then push your own story to it. It's irresponsible, it's short-sighted, it's dishonest, and this week we've once again seen how dangerous it is. I'm absolutely going to pat myself on the back here a little, uh, but I don't do that without being able to feel like I've earned it. You know, when I report information through these podcasts, in my blogs, or on social media, particularly Parler, I almost almost always certain that what I'm reporting on is not only true but verifiable and if it turns out to be wrong I acknowledge it and fix it or remove it those who follow me on parlor uh, <clears throat> this week in particular can see a formidable example of this as I've shared real-time information 
or personally verified information almost always ahead of the media or official sources. And seriously, you can go to my timeline and parlor and see my posts and compare them to the chronology of news stories. Uh, <clears throat> not only have I been timelier, I believe I've been more thorough with the context and totality of what's being shared about the events happening in Kenosha. That's because I have no narrative except to drive the truth, and nothing but the truth. Sure, I'm very much a conservative, but more than that, I'm a critical thinker, an independent thinker, and I put my integrity behind what I share. So let's do a little cause and effect exercise. The proper way uh, by using the facts we have and logical, logical deduction to look at the effects and define the cause. We'll start with the three anarchists who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. That's the first effect. They were shot because they pursued and attacked Kyle. The first one shot, Joseph Rosenbaum, ran up to verbally assault Kyle um, prior to any of these events. There's video of him doing this along with towards other people, um, hollering you know, racial slurs that I won't even repeat here. Kyle walked away uh, and eventually began run, running away as Rosenbaum started chasing him and throwing objects at him. Uh, we still don't have clarity on what the items were. There were first reports that it was a Molotov cocktail, uh, which I think has been recently pretty much determined not to be true. Other reports that it was a bag of materials to ignite fires, and still more reports that it was a bag of rocks that he was using to throw at windows. And you can see him in other videos uh, from the night carrying this bag that clearly has things in it. Uh, AP did a story I saw this morning. It just it turned me upside down because it said that Rosenhaus was walking after uh, Ridden, Rittenhaus. Rosenbaum was walking after Rittenhaus um, and threw a plastic bag at him. You know what? I challenge any of these dumbasses in the media to write stories like this. Grab one of those plastic bags you get from a grocery store, go outside and walk and throw it and see what happens. It's going to fall to your goddamn feet. It's not going to fly a matter of 10 or 15 or 20 feet like it did uh, when Rosenbaum threw it at Rittenhouse. It's just the narrative the media is spinning is dis disgusting. Uh, <clears throat> whatever it was... Uh, while Kyle, who was armed, uh, retreated instead of engaging, Rosenbaum threw the items at Kyle, narrowly missing him, and then continued to pursue him and appearing to reach uh, for him from behind when Kyle turned and shot him. You know, after the event, Kyle also went to check on him and called 911 at that point, it should be known. You know, any other narrative out there is just false, and we, and we know that. We see it. The events are on video for people to see, but... Like usual, anybody that's on the other side that wants to push uh, some kind of narrative throws all kinds of misinformation in there, downright lies, or uh, just omits information that's important. It's disgusting. Anyway, at, at the point after uh, Kyle shot Rosenbaum, uh, a group of anarchists began chasing Kyle down the street. And Kyle was still armed, but again he chose not to engage them. Instead he chose to run away, to flee. And unfortunately he tripped and fell. And this is when the second shooting took place. You know, the second anarchist to get shot was Anthony Huber, who picked up a skateboard and, with a running start, slammed it into Kyle's back and head. There's also video and still pictures of that moment. And while he was on the ground being hit with a skateboard, Kyle fired one shot into Huber at close range. That's the fact. But again, this article by AP this morning says that uh, Huber had approached uh, or walked up in an attempt to wrestle the gun away from 
uh, Rittenhouse was shot. And it goes on with a bunch of other adjectives to you know make it sound egregious, but it's not the truth. They're not telling the truth of what happened, which is so annoying because it's right on video, and the whole world has seen this, multiple angles of it. Now, the third shooting incident took place almost immediately following this, and it's really quite telling of Kyle's awareness and discipline. Gage Grosskreutz, and I'm probably getting that name screwed up, but I, I'm not worried about it, <laughs> who was armed with a Glock pistol, was running up on Kyle. Kyle took a defensive posture and aimed at Grosskreutz, who then stopped. And Kyle stopped. He did not shoot. He just sat there in that defensive posture. And that's clear in the videos. Then Grosskreutz started running at Kyle again, armed and reaching towards Kyle. Again, this is all in the video. It was at this point that Kyle shot Grosskreutz in the arm. It's important to also point out that Kyle didn't shoot him again, even though he didn't go down. He didn't shoot him again because Grosskreutz retreated at that point. Additionally, others were standing there as well, well within reach of Kyle, and Kyle didn't shoot any of them. He took a defensive position, and when they didn't approach him or try to attack him, he didn't fire. He only fired at those who directly assaulted him, and in the moment they were assaulting him, it wasn't after they had retreated, and he didn't shoot at anyone else who was standing there. He didn't just start shooting randomly. That's not the case at all. This stuff is all on video, and most people without a trained eye aren't going to pick up some of these other details, and sadly, uh, others who even have a trained eye are missing these things. But his actions, it's remarkable, because these are things you normally don't see unless somebody's been trained um, with some sort of tactical training, either in law enforcement or in the military. I mean, to have the discipline to be attacked... And shoot only when somebody's attacking you, but the minute they back off, you stop and maintain your defensive posture, but don't fire at them. And once they come at you to attack you again, then you fire, you know, but then they don't go down and you don't keep firing. You stop immediately. I mean, that's the type of thing that people are demanding police officers do, that they fire once and then they stop. This, this kid did something that, I mean, it's amazing that he had the wherewithal with him and the presence of mind to behave the way he did in this. And people are calling him emotionally unstable. For fuck's sake, I'm sorry. He's 17. I was 17 when I enlisted in the Marine Corps. That's okay. But a 17-year-old here who wants to stand for some principle and be a patriot and, and care about the things going on and had the discipline not to hurt anybody and not want to hurt anybody, he was there to help people. It's it's gross, the narratives that are going around out there that are just completely untrue. And it's even more gross that you can see these things on video, you can see the whole story, and people still come up with this narrative that's completely just bullshit. Should he have been there in the first place? No, he shouldn't. But we're going to get to all of that. And, and really, it's irrelevant and doesn't matter because he was there, and these incidents that took place he took it, were in self-defense. But we're going to talk cause and effect, and we're going to go further. I mean, this is... All of this is on video, several videos from multiple angles, including drone footage that's come out. You know, of course, there are events that followed the shootings, that these shootings that took place, but I don't want to work towards those future effects. I want to continue the causation of all of this because it's important to bring this all into context for the bigger picture. So we, review, we reviewed the causation for the three individuals shot, but that only works us back to another effect, the effect of Kyle being at the riots and armed. The fact that he was 17 is irrelevant to the greater causation here. We could work that angle back into his personal story. Then we'd also have to do the same for the three individuals who were shot and their personal stories, which includes a pedophile, a few felony charges for battery, and weapons violations, all three of them. So let's ignore the personal markers and stick with the bigger incident. The fact is, 
also that he isn't facing any felony charges related to being 17 and carrying the weapon. There's one misdemeanor charge uh, for possession of a dangerous weapon by an individual under 18, I believe. Uh, it's also not illegal for him to necessarily possess that weapon if adults are present, which they were, but in this case, without it being a guardian specifically, that might be the only thing that's problematic for him from a legal standpoint. Now, why was Kyle there? That's an effect, right? What was the cause? Well, you can watch that for yourself because he was interviewed by the people on the street earlier in the night. He was there, according to his interview, to render aid to people who could be injured in all of the chaos. And he's even carrying a metal kit, medical kit in all of the videos. He says he was armed to protect himself because it was dangerous there. And he was also there to help keep the peace and prevent specific businesses from being looted or burned to the ground. I want to go sideways for a second because it's an important fact. But this is also why he had latex gloves on. Because people were bleeding in all of this chaos that was going on. This prior to people being shot. And there's some real valedictorians out there on the left who are saying that he had these gloves on premeditated to keep his prints off the gun or the bullets. And this might be the most insanely stupid thing I've heard them argue. And it points right back to their complete ignorance of firearms. I never mind the fact that, that fingerprint evidence might in itself not be all that important when there's so much video but there are enough photos out there now from kyle's social media pages to know that he was quite comfortable and responsible with that firearm so unless you know prior to the events on tuesday he stripped that rifle down completely to the firing pin and scrubbed every functioning part with bleach and sandpaper before reassembling it and transporting it in a case that was equally as sterile before carrying it into the riots, his prints are already all over the inside and outside of that gun. I just had to get that off my chest, because it pisses me off how impulsively ignorant and moronic the left is when it comes to this kind of stuff, and trying to look at bits and pieces of information and draw some stupid-ass conclusion that makes no sense whatsoever. So Kyle gave his reasons for being there, but why was that even necessary in the first place? What was the cause that became the effect of Kyle being in Kenosha on Tuesday night? Well, it was seeing the violence and destruction the night before, and the pleas for help from the community. It was seeing that the community was helpless as law enforcement was too outnumbered and stretched to safely confront every situation, and that fire and emergency medical teams couldn't even get to people because of all the violence. Kyle was there as a concerned citizen and patriot because he saw his fellow human beings in pain and being burned out of their city. All because a governor who continually ignores the most important aspect of his constitutional oath to safeguard his citizens and communities in law and order, a governor who failed to provide adequate resources to prevent or control a situation that the entire country knew was going to get out of hand. The effect of Kyle being there to provide aid and protection to the citizens of Kenosha was caused by a government, Tony Evers, failing to do its job, forcing citizens to exercise our constitutional rights to do it ourselves. Now let's look at that matter, the effect being the riots, and what that causation was. This one is quick and simple. It was because the governor and other Democrat politicians across the country, as well as the media and celebrity activists looking for purpose again because they all suck in life otherwise, the cause of the riots is because all of them had to jump to conclusions to once again push a narrative without having all of the facts. The truly ignorant thing of it all is that people like Governor Evers even said in his public statement after the shooting of Jacob Blake, that he didn't have all of the facts. He should have stopped right there and shut his damn mouth, but he didn't. He continued, even saying, even having said he didn't have all the facts, he continued on with the unarmed black man narrative. This causation 
all this causation has a proxy. And that is what I mentioned near the beginning of this show. People with a hasty need for public recognition posting a video that even they have since admitted didn't capture the entire incident. Now, what's the cause of that effect? Let's take a look at the incident that started it all. A brief video of Jacob Blake walking away from police, ignoring their commands to stop, and then opening his car door and reaching into his vehicle when an officer grabbed him from behind and fired shots into his back from close range from behind. That's what we saw. Right? That's the cause that created the effect of these riots. Of course, those optics don't look good. When viewed without any other context at all and without the truth of what had happened and what was happening in those moments. Well, we can do that with sound facts now because the Wisconsin Attorney General has made them available to the public. And we have additional videos that have serviced to the original incident that capture a completely different angle and a more complete story. Jacob Blake was at a residence he wasn't supposed to be at. His girlfriend, a black woman, is the one who dialed 911 to report that Jacob was there and wasn't supposed to be. Additionally, as court records show, he had a warrant out for him for just a month ago for domestic abuse charges that included disorderly conduct, criminal trespasses and trespass to dwelling, and third-degree sexual assault. Police responded to a domestic incident with a man wanted for a violent crime and then attempted to take him into custody. Video shows him fighting with officers as they gave him commands to drop the knife. And then he was tased not once but twice by different officers, which didn't stop him. And then having to pursue him as he walked around the car, leaving a blind spot where officers who were behind him couldn't see what he was doing, Jacob Blake himself has admitted to investigators that he did have a knife. And Wisconsin's Attorney General, Tony Evers' Attorney General, has verified that a knife was recovered from the floorboards of Blake's vehicle by the Department of Criminal Investigations. Now, just uh, a few minutes ago, Kenosha Police Department actually released an update on the Blake shooting, so I want to read just a piece of it for you. As it says, the uh, Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation is continuing to investigate an officer-involved shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin that occurred on the evening of Sunday, August 23, 2020. Kenosha police officers were dispatched to the residence in the 2800 block of 40th Street after a female caller reported that her boyfriend was present and not supposed to be on the premises. During the incident, officers attempted to arrest Jacob Blake. After the initial report attempt to arrest Mr. Blake uh, had failed, Kenosha police officer Rustin Shesky deployed a taser to attempt to stop Mr. Blake. When that attempt failed, Kenosha police officer Vincent Arenas also deployed his taser. However, that taser was also not successful in stopping Mr. Blake. Uh, and it goes on then to talk about the rest of the events as we've pretty much seen them um, from this standpoint. But it's all important information that none of that was in the original video. And if all of that had been shared in the original video, I have to believe while there still would have been some outrage, it would have been a much different situation. Alright, I hope none of that was too convoluted for those of you listening and following along here because I covered quite a bit. But simply, anarchists were shot because someone had to stand up to protect citizens and property. Well, I should say, anarchists were shot because they attacked someone who had to stand up to protect citizens and property because their government refused to and failed them because their government and the media was more interested in pandering to a narrative than upholding their oath because they had a 10-second video clip of incomplete information because someone needed selfish recognition. All of that because we continue to feed emotions instead of minds. Jacob Blake bears the ultimate responsibility for what has happened currently in Kenosha. 
while there are tangential factors all along the way in a direct line of cause and effect. Those three anarchists would not have been shot, and neither would have Jacob Blake been shot for that matter, if he had simply complied. Now, I said on my podcast this past Tuesday, ironically, that we've tolerated this crap for, for too long, and that we've reached the fringe of rebellion. Quite eerily, I said that if our lawmakers don't act, if they remain complicit in the violence, then we must act, and we must take this country back from the violent and lawless subculture that governs it and resides within its filthiest craters. Sadly, a clear and undeniable example of that is what happened later that same night. That is really all I have for today, Patriots. Please keep an eye on each other out there. This is only going to become uglier as the election approaches and behind. Kyle Rittenhouse, only 17 years old, had the courage to stand up and take arms, something that so many of us have been saying for months, years really. He took them up without the intention of using them, but instead just to take a stand and be a symbol of strong peace and determination to say we've had enough. Unfortunately, the criminal element of society continued to poke the bear. In my eyes, Kyle Rittenhouse is a revolutionary and a hero. I hope this his very prominent legal defense team not only gets him exonerated, but also gets him a big paycheck from all the defamation he and his family have received uh, in the face of this from the disgusting liberal mob in the media. You know, Notice that things have gotten remarkably calmer, at least in Kenosha, and more peaceful the following night. If, if Kyle's actions were the start of someone taking back our sanctity and providing a message to politicians that it's time for them to do their jobs, then the kid should someday have a statue of his likeness placed right next to those from our War of Independence. Even Biden has now finally come out and said enough. You know, It seems to me that Kyle's actions, whether you like or agree with them or not, were very effective. They were very brave and they were very courageous. Hey, if you enjoy the show, I'd be grateful if you'd take a minute to share it with your friends and family. Subscribe and leave me a review if you'd be so kind. Feel free to follow along with me, engage with me on Parlor. My handle is at ExposingLibsBS, or drop me an email at ExposingLiberalSBS at gmail.com. Friends, it is time for all of us to passionately take action, and we the people, we the people, this week, we showed that we have a proud history of doing just that. You've been listening to the Federalist Forum. Thank you for your listenership and for your patriotism as we fight together to preserve the founding principles of our constitutional republic. Until next time, sapientia est potentia. Wisdom is power.